Welcome to The Lens with me, Ollie Barrett. My guests today are Peter Simpson and Hannah Stanley-Jones from Anglian Water Group. Peter is the chief exec and Hannah is a water resources manager. I'm going to be talking to them about how you engage people in huge topics like climate change and water scarcity. We'll also be talking about, within a business that plans in 25 and 50-year chunks, how you keep in touch and incorporate rapidly developing technologies. Finally, on a personal note, we'll talk about the importance of getting time to think. And now, let's get to the conversation. Welcome to The Lens with me, Ollie Barrett. Uh, my guest today is Peter Simpson, who is Chief Executive of Anglian Water Group. Peter, hello. Hello there. Pleased to be here. Very nice to welcome you today. Uh, we're going to explore all about your role and your company. First, though, I want to take you back to your very first role in any capacity, your first job. Can you remember what it was? I can indeed. My very first job was groundsman on a golf course. That was, was it really? the first job where I actually earned some money, yes. So this is mowing the lawns? and This was mowing the, this was mowing the fairways, doing the greens, putting the uh, location of the holes on all the greens. Yeah, um, and what part, of, what part of the world was this? This was in North Norfolk. Excellent. It was a fantastic job. I earned £38 a week. I remember it vividly. And free beer, if I remember correctly. Excellent. Par for the course. Uh, over the years, though, you worked all over the world in many different countries. Uh, looking across all of those, any particular pivot points, from divots to pivots, isn't it, um, on the way, life-changing, particularly career-changing things? I don't know if you think in terms of big breaks, but was there a particular moment? Well, I think it was a, there was a very big break when I went to work in the Philippines um, because I think that was the first time I'd really broken completely out of not only the country to go and work but also out of the Anglian water way of doing things. Yeah. And uh, I suppose at that age I thought that Anglian had the answer to everything water and the Anglian way was a way to do everything. Mm. And then I think in the Philippines I discovered there are very different ways to uh, and different challenges actually. And uh, it kind of broke me out of the paradigm that the east of England and Anglian water's way of doing everything is, is right. And roughly and how old were you at that time? Um, I was about 23, 24 I think, 24. Yeah. Um, You've run the company since 2013, and we're going to talk a bit about some of the opportunities and challenges you see. Um, for the uninitiated, let's just remind them, um, particularly, of course, in the east of England, over 6 million customers. Yes. In terms of internally, just give us a sense of the company. Well, we cover an area from Scunthorpe down to Tilbury and right the way over to Milton Keynes and Northampton. We've got about 4,500 employees. Um, we're headquartered in Huntingdon. We look after clean water and what we call water that's recycled. Um, some people call that wastewater. We call it recycled water because mm -hmm. it is, is a baseload flow of many of the rivers in, in the east of England, particularly in the summer. Um, and we have particular challenges of housing growth, about 500,000 houses going into the east of England over the next few years. Um, and we're acutely sensitised to the impact of climate change. Mm. A water company, of course, sensitive to too much or too little water. But in the east of England, we particularly suffer because we're very, very dry and we often tell people, which surprises them, that mm. we have the same uh, level of rainfall as Jerusalem. How interesting is that? And particularly dry winters, which you don't associate with being dry. We think of a hosepipe ban in the summer, and it hasn't been that way here, has it? No, I mean, ultimately it's about how much water you can store, either under the ground in aquifers or, or in reservoirs, um, to make sure that you've got the water in the, for the drier period. So, so in that sense, I suppose part of the nitty-gritty of the business is, I mean, it's over a billion litres a day, isn't it, of, Drinking water. That's right, yes. It's provided to our customers, absolutely. You as a business, I think, think in 
25, perhaps even longer yep. chunks of time. Uh, is, is that right? I mean, just That's right. Uh, I mean, we go out to, well, 25 years is typical for our water resource plans, but we actually now go out to about 50 years in some of our thinking there as well. So long, long term. I think it was Eisenhower said, you know, plans are useless, but planning is everything. So in that 25-year horizon, that's happening at the same time as such change. And I'm yes. thinking all around, and particularly in the digital world. Yes. So given... So many people we speak to say, we just don't know yes. what's going to happen. How do those two go hand in hand? How do, how do you reconcile those two big ideas? Well, I think, first of all, you have to be clear that you can't possibly know what the future holds over that sort of time scale. You know, it's just no, nobody can. Nobody's been accurate at predicting the future in the past. They're not likely to be over the next quarter of a century either. So what you what you really have to do is to plan for scenarios and say, well, what are some potential scenarios that we could face? And then... As a result of that, what are the sorts of changes that we think we will best prepare us for most of those scenarios? And then adapt and change those plans as you go through. So, I I mean, the quote you used is a good one, actually, because it's about the planning process Mm. and you keep going round that process. But it's, it's really, I suppose the difference for us in recent years has been setting out the different scenarios as opposed to imagining there's one future picture yes. and adjusting that. We now look at a whole series of different scenarios and try and develop a plan which best in, positions us against those outcomes. And, and having called to mind Eisenhower, you know, the idea of this war room comes to my mind. I suspect you're doing this much more openly in the community with many other people around the table and we talk about collaboration. I'm interested in practice, how does that actually happen? How do you get round a proverbial table with the stakeholders, the people who matter? Well, it's really interesting, and I think this is a role where technology can also be incredibly supportive. So when we think about water resources, and I've just taken that example, uh, we're involved in a very big project at the moment called Water Resources East, where rather than just us as a water company thinking about what's important for us, we involve uh, representatives of the environment, we involve agriculture, we involve power sector, we involve other water users. And we we use some quite sophisticated modelling to bring together what they think is going to happen in their myriad of scenarios. Mm-hmm. And we try and do that in a way that enables us to all understand the various trade-offs. Mm. The technology these days and the very sophisticated models we have do enable us to do that and show it and share and collaborate much more closely. Mm. So between us, we can see the trade-offs. How far does that collaboration go? Oh, it goes very deep. It goes very, very deep. I mean, it, you know, it gets into conversations. I can imagine some recent, I remember some recent conversations we've had with the power sector about, well, what are their scenarios? So, you know, how much water do they think they're going to be using? And if you imagine power, yeah. you know, they've got loads of different scenarios as to what could happen over the next quarter of a century, depending yeah. on what, you know, what the various mixes are. Um, it enables us to get into a conversation, a very tangible conversation about, well, where do we think we, between us, need to be making the the key decisions along the route? Yeah. So it's, it's quite, it's um, it certainly isn't a talking shop. Yeah. And I think technology has helped us to move it from a general talking shop into talking about specifics. What, what do people respond to? I just want to get your sense of what people feel and care about. Well, I, I think people generally respond better when you kind of relate it more locally to them. Um, so when we talk about, say, water efficiency, we try and talk about water efficiency and how it saves water and how water is actually a scarce commodity. Mm. We try and link it to the use of energy and show that actually it's not just about water, it's about heating water that has a has an impact, but then also try and show locally what the impact is. Mm. So whenever we can sort of do the loop around that says actually your local river, your local wetland, mm. is affected by the amount of water that's taken out of the drinking water supply. And if you use less water and are more water efficient, and we keep leakage at incredibly low levels, mm. then actually the impact is 
beneficial one for the environment, your local environment, mm. and you, you can see it. So the tighter I think you can make some of those loops, mm-hmm. the better it is. Mm-hmm. Um, some, some people get the global aspirations and are, are really motivated by it, but a lot more people, I think, are motivated by kind of their own their own environment and the impact they can have on their own space and their own community. So we try and do both things, I suppose. Mm. And thinking of the millions of people in your constituency, if I can call it that, some are considerably older, um, traditionally not regarded as as advanced digitally. So how do we ensure they're not left behind because you're making such advances in how you connect with people? It must be on your mind. It, it always is on our mind. Um, I'm, I'm always very loath to kind of make too many generalisations, yep. actually, because um, I see many older people who are are far more technologically savvy than I am. So we have to be careful. Um, I also think there's there's a point about making things incredibly easy. So whenever we think about creating um, interfaces for customers to use, whether that be through smart metering or just the website itself, mm. make it straightforward, make it intuitive, um, and people will will use it. Um, make it complicated. Then any you know, you're not just cutting out older people; you're cutting out all sorts of all sorts of parts of society. So really thinking about how technology can help, um, and, and I think over the years. We're getting better as a society. We're getting much better at that, yeah. and I, I think that's part of the journey. And it's a journey not just for for customers, but it's a journey for employees as well. Mm. So you know, we've got lots of employees who've been with us for twenty, thirty, some forty years, um, and some are completely clued into all of the technology, and some aren't. Yeah. But we need to demonstrate, you know, how they can use the tools and take them on the journey and take the time yep. that we need to with them. Let, let's talk a little bit about those employees. I'm going to risk embarrassing you now, Peter, because you have been voted uh, the number one CEO in the UK um, by your employees on Glassdoor. Um, and I was very inspired by that. And I wanted to get just a bit practical um, lessons to your former self, lessons learnt if you're going back to yourself on day one in the chief exec's seat. Um, feel free to allude to any cock-ups along the way. So cheer us up a bit, but uh, stuff you would have said. Well, first of all, it's quite humbling. Uh, I, I, I get quite embarrassed by by, by that, but it, it, um, it's a big thing, actually, for me. It really is, because one of the things that I've always said to myself, and I, I, I say to anybody who joins our business, just remember, treat people as you want to be treated yourself. Again, it's a simple thing to say, but actually it's really important. It's particularly important when we've got people who work together for you know decades, mm-hmm. The shadow, the, the, the sort of um, cloak of the leader, if you like, that, that's cast is really important as well. And I suppose one of the things I would say that I pay more attention to now than I probably did in my early part of my career is not just the things I actually do, but the things I don't do. Mm. Do what, um, like? Well, the, you know, I don't, the, simp- the simplest level, the, the people you walk past as opposed to the people you talk to. You know, mm. Probably at the start of my career, I would have focused on, well, you know, I, yeah, I think I had a really useful conversation with that particular team and I think it was good and I listened to all, all mm. the rest of it. But would I have paid attention necessarily to the people that inadvertently I'd ignored, mm. not intentionally doing anything? But I'm a, I'm a lot more sensitised to that now because over the years I've come to see what the impact of some of that can be, actually. Mm. Um, so, something that's been on uh, my mind a lot recently is this thought of well-being. And I know with another hat on, this is an interest you're taking uh, through business in the community and others. Um, in very practical terms, anything you've noticed really affects the well-being of your teams in, in, internally. And I'm thinking particularly about other business leaders tuning in. Just think things you've seen at Anglin um, that work. Well, I suppose, first of all, just uh, making it a focus for the business. You know, we have this sort of very straightforward phrase in our business about being um, 
being healthier and being happier and being safer in the business. You know, these are very simple concepts. But show it, paying attention to it, mm. um, naming it, um, me doing the things I'm talking about here um, is, is an important part of it. What's made a difference? Um, I think probably in the early days, uh, raising the profile around mental health, mm. um, that was important. It probably wasn't expected when, when we did it. Um, I think people suddenly began to realise we were serious, that it wasn't a fad, it wasn't a, a brief campaign. It was actually part of what we were going to do as an on, ongoing dialogue. Um, I think not um, just doing one thing one year and then leaving it for a few years and coming back, actually building on it, having a... Having a consistent application is really important yeah and trying to treat it as a whole thing so not not just talking about safety not just talking about health not just talking about well-being talking about them as an integrated whole and saying mm-hmm. well actually we know if we get these things right we're looking after each at each other re- really well and, and that's i think incredibly motivating i want to um just zoom right back out um you are, um, Anglian Water Group is uh, the Responsible Business of the Year. Congratulations. Thank you very much. We're uh, very proud. Honoured, in fact. And, and this is an enormous um, accolade. If you had to zoom into an experience that the business has been involved in, um, maybe you've been associated, maybe you've seen it from a distance that has made you proud to be leading the company, is there a specific example? And it could be in the community. It could be more internally. I'm just very interested in that slightly more human picture that you might paint us. Um, I, I could go on for a long time, frankly, because there's there a lot. I'm very proud of a lot of the things that people in our business do. I, I think in, in the recent past, I, I'm particularly proud of what we've been doing in Wisbeach, um, mm. in a, a town that had all kinds of challenges in the centre of the Fens. And we've done an awful lot to work with the community and it is work with them. It's their town, not, not ours. But mm. with our uh, partners, our supply chain partners, to lift aspiration. Mm. Um, and we've now got the prospect of a of a garden town, we've got the prospect of a rail link from Wisbeach through so it could go through to Cambridge. But we've also created some really fantastic virtuous circles. So uh, recognising the high levels of youth unemployment in Wisbeach, uh, we've linked that together with our demand, particularly on the construction side across our partners, um, for labour, because you know, there's an ageing workforce in construction. And we now recruit from that geography, you know, our, our apprentices into our supply chain to go and build the half billion pounds worth of assets we build every, every single year. So we've created, I'm, I'm really proud of, of the model we've got there, but I'm particularly proud of, say, the partnerships we've created with the local colleges to actually enable us to address some of the youth unemployment issues, yeah. but actually in a way that benefits them and benefits the business as well. Uh, you know, that's something that really does, something I am particularly proud of. Excellent. We're going to meet one of your uh, team, uh, one of your employees um, uh, uh, today as well, Hannah Stanley-Jones. I'm sure you meet a lot of uh, the the team regularly. I know you do. Um, in very broad terms, any advice you tend to impart as you go through the corridors and out and about to, to younger members of the Anglian Water family? Well, I, a lot of the time I'm listening. I, I'm, I'm as interested, frankly, in what they've got to say and what they think of the organisation And because there's a lot of change as a result of particularly younger people coming into the business. They want to see a different sort of business in many respects. Um, my advice is, is usually quite simple. It's Chances are you're going to be with this business for a long time because people tend to be in this sort of business for a long period of time. Think about how you work with people. Think about how you behave with people and, and ultimately just uh, treat them as you'd want to be treated yourself. And you won't go too far wrong. A brilliant note to end it on. Peter Simpson, thank you very much. Thank you. Welcome to The Lens. I'm Ollie Barrett and I'm joined today by Hannah Stanley-Jones from Anglian Water Group. Hello, Hannah. Hello. 
Welcome. Hannah, I'm very conscious that today uh, I'm here with you in the studio, but listening to us is your chief executive, Peter Simpson. He is. Did you, did you know that? I did. I, I <laughs> just about see him through the glass, kind of. What, what's he like? He's he's great CEO. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course he, he is. is yeah. Well, I'm going to get you both in here yeah. in a minute, but thank you for being here today. No problem. Um, I know you've been with Anglian for some years, yes. but I do want to zip back before that and understand how you got started. So even yeah. before your studies, which I want to talk okay. about... Uh, how did that begin? Um, my studies or my and first... And before that, before okay, that, in so, work. So in work, um, so when I was uh, at school, the first sort of proper job I had um, was in a soap shop called Lush. Um, you may know I know it. Lush. Yes. I can smell it a mile um, yeah, off, can't you, when you go past? They opened a Lush. So I'm from uh, from Peterborough, which is obviously in, in the Anglian region. Yeah. They opened a soap shop in our local shopping centre and I applied for a job there. Excellent. And then you uh, let, let's uh, uh, ravel forward a little bit. Yeah. What happened next? So, uh, so after that, I... Um, um, I went off to university. I, I debated about what, what to study, but I decided that I liked geography. That was my favourite subject at school. So I thought, well, I don't know what I'm going to do, but let's let's go for geography. In the summers between, uh, between studying, um, I was working for Anglian Water in our laboratory in Huntingdon. And it was a job that actually my dad found for me mm-hmm. in my first summer holiday. So that was uh, between my first year and second year in 2007. And it was my job... Um, in the holidays to actually scan all of the samples that we'd taken from around our region. These are water samples that go into our lab. And it was my job to scan them in. It was called registration. And you had to scan them in and then you had to basically sort them out for the next day. Um, And I actually worked on the late shift. So I would work an afternoon um, and then I would work through till uh, nine o'clock in the evening. So I was often the last person in the lab. And I just remember thinking... This is fine for for a summer job, you know. This is this is great. I was earning quite good money. I've got to meet lots of lots of nice people, learn a little bit about the business. But I used to look at these bottles as they came in, and they had they had names on them, and they were names of places. And it might be rivers, or you know, it might have been one of our water recycling centres or one of our treatment works. And I used to think, God, I'd love to know a bit more about what this this business mm-hmm. does, um, and you know, um, how we supply water to our customers. Um, so I, I sort of. I was lucky enough to be able to go back every summer during my studies. Um, and then I decided to uh, to take my studies a little bit further and, and, and do a master's degree. Um, and when I thought about what I wanted to do for my master's, I thought, well, I like I like water. So I'll, I'll do something sort of vaguely water-related. I like chemistry. So I, I ended up studying... Um, the degree was called environmental geochemistry, which sounds it sounds sort of more uh, sort of smarter than it was, I suppose. But uh, it always it always uh, impresses people when you say that. I think. Um, but I, I decided I wanted to make sure that my um, sort of project that I did was quite practical. So um, I got back in touch with my uh, my manager in the lab, and um, and I said, look, you know, could I do my project with Anglian Water? Do you think you'd be able to um, you'd be able to sort that out? And he said, yeah, of course. So he put me in touch with um, our water resources department, and um, they sorted out a project for me. I was studying at some pesticide contamination at one of our uh, groundwater sources, where we, we we obviously we have treatment for that, and that doesn't go to our customers. But it was something a challenge that that we were facing. Um, so I did my project on that, and then um, yeah, it just led on to a job, and I, I joined Anglian Water on on the graduate scheme. Well, having been yeah. briefly at university myself, you are um, uh, one of n- n- not a vast, vast number of students mm. I know for whom the university degree was deeply helpful. Yes, definitely uh, for, for the yeah. work, and that's no yeah. coincidence, was it? Not, no, not really. So, so no. quite a lot of what you've been describing is very detailed and very specific and up close, and yeah. yet some of the issues that Anglian yeah. Water Group is 
tackling, solving, etc., are huge, aren't yes, they? So absolutely. how do you, in practical terms, get your head around the bigger picture? Because you're very focused as well, aren't you? So I, I am, but as my career's progressed, so we, so I, I work in the Water Resources Department now, and I, I spent a long time um, working on very specific uh technical issues to do with our, our sources and boreholes and, and that, that was that was my role for a good number of years um, but but my role now is, is it's a lot broader um, so it's, it's given me that that chance to understand the wider picture and I now um, I work a lot on sort of long-term planning so um, understanding where we may need investment to deal with those bigger issues like um, like climate change like population growth um, like the droughts that we've experienced um, and potentially where we may see worse droughts in the future. I've, um, I've got a slightly old-fashioned sort of cliched view of yeah. how um, you know utilities companies yeah. engage with their customers and it's through envelopes through the letterbox and so on but Obviously, it's a little bit more sophisticated. So, 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 what what's an example of where that's all going, and the sort of conversations you actually have, and the interaction, I suppose, that you have. So, in terms of um, the interactions we have with with customers, um, there's a huge program of customer engagement that we're we're working on as part of that business plan. There's all sorts of different things that we're doing. One example is um, we've created an, an online community, and I think there's about 500 customers on there. Mm-hmm. And and what we can do on this online community. So we can just go on there and just type a question and start a conversation. Mm. Um, and some of those conversations have been really quite detailed, you know, down to what, what do you think about um, the resilience of our water supply systems? What do you think about drought? What do you think about um, restrictions such as um, uh, temporary use bans or what they used to be called as hose, hose pipe bans? Um, and actually what, what that allows us to do is you, you can sort of brief those customers. It builds a builds a kind of community on mm. that on that online space um and um and and the the value that we're getting from that is really great yeah. but also at the totally the other end of the spectrum we've been going around the region on a bus yeah. telling people about what we do yeah. we've been going to shopping centers yes. we've been going to um we had a huge event in in norwich called um h2omg where uh, i think we spent a week there um just just that telling is, that people is my about favorite water. hashtag of the day h2omg right. telling people about water <laughs> games you know it was all it was yes. a great so, so so here's a question and it is a tiny bit provocative mm-hmm. Um, people don't really care about water and the problems and the challenges associated until there's a flood. So all of the important things that you've been talking about, scarcity, drought, all of these things, until it gets very tricky. Or is that being a bit harsh on um, what what I'm sure some people are very thoughtful about? How how do you see it? I think... um... I think it really depends. I think when there's a lot of inf- stuff in the media about it, so so say whether it's a flood or a drought, mm. um, it does come to the front of people's minds. And at that point, everybody says, um, you know, oh, the water company should be doing more. You mm. know, we, we need a national grid. You know, we need all these things. Um, and then as soon as it starts to rain, it, I do think it just goes to the back of people's minds. Mm. It's not that they, they don't care. It's just not top of their priority list. Mm. So I think what, what we have to do is the way we engage with our customers is just make it relevant to their lives. So so rather than kind of, um, it's like Peter was saying, rather than it being, oh, we've got this huge global issue, um, uh, you know, to do with water scarcity. I think I think if you say that, people feel, well, well I can't deal with that. You know, somebody else has to deal with that. Whereas if you actually make it local and you make it practical, if it benefits their, their lives and it fits in with their lives, mm. um, 
then then I think you get a lot more value from it. I think if we just sort of publish things that say we've got all these big challenges, I think people just say, yeah, okay. Yeah, it yeah, can freak people yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, um, to what extent do you think there's a difference in how different generations think about these things? Anything you've noticed? I think um, my sense is that the the younger generation now are a lot more environmentally, socially aware. Mm. The generation that are coming through are a lot more um, environmentally aware than perhaps, mm. um, you know, older generations are. So, Hannah, you work for, clearly work for a business that makes a difference. Yeah. And do you think that, you know, your way then of making a difference is, you know, through the day job? Or are there other things that you like to get involved in beyond that? Or maybe the day job gives you the opportunity to get more involved in the community? Um, I think it's a bit of both, actually. So, so I've been been lucky enough in my in my day job um to to be able to go out and talk to talk to communities and and talk to people about about the challenges we face so for example um uh, peter mentioned the the water resources east project Mm. um that that we've developed and i was very closely involved in in sort of setting that up um as part of that, we've been running a number of case studies um, agri- with the agricultural community, and um, we're actually looking to to, to work um, much closer um, with the agricultural sector to understand some of these challenges. But we've done it on a case study basis because we thought if we do the whole region, we're just you know we're not going to be able to. It's yeah. too much of a challenge. Um, so as part of that work, I've gone out and I've spoken to um, sort of water abstractors groups and agricultural societies, um, and and basically sort of local, you know, local farming communities, mm. and just said, you know, I'm from Anglian Water. This is what we do. The, these are the challenges, um, and really help them to understand how we do our planning. Uh, so you've been at Anglian for um, it's about ten years. Uh, uh, yes, if you count my my time in the lab. Yes, yes yeah, years. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, particularly for people who listen to the lens, who are just coming into the sort yeah. of world of work, any any tips, any advice, any techniques, any stuff you wish you'd known to have, I guess, um, uh, sort of a, a greater number of good days, uh, stuff stuff you wish you'd done. I think I don't think I, I don't ever look back and think, oh, I wish I'd done that and not done that. But mm-hmm. I suppose if I was looking back and talking to myself as at the start of my career I would just say don't don't limit yourself and don't um don't have too many preconceptions about what it is your your you know you want to achieve because actually sometimes you you think it's one thing you want to do and you might do that for a couple of years and actually then you think oh I'm going to do something else and 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 you don't really know where that's going to take you so you just have to kind of go with it a little bit and and take those opportunities that at the time seem really scary and you think well I'd never be able to do that but okay I'll give it a go yeah. and actually when you give it a go you, you can do it and you often surprise yourself of what you're what you're capable of so that would be my my advice to people coming in into the industry excellent and I've been inspired by the number of people that do stay with the company yeah. for a long time so on that note here's to the next 10 years whatever they thank might you. hold <laughs> uh, Hannah Stanley Jones thank you very much thank you Welcome to The Lens. I'm Ollie Barrett and I'm very happy to be joined today by Peter Simpson and Hannah Stanley-Jones from Anglian Water Group. Hello, both of you. Hello there. Hello. I've enjoyed talking to you uh, separately already today and uh, I'd like to start by asking if you have any questions for each other. Hannah, uh, any question you'd like to ask Peter? Could be about his role, could be about anything. So um, it's obviously a great accolade for Anglian Water to win um, Responsible Business of the Year. But where do we go from here? What's next? That's a really good question. Um, I, I suppose I, I never think about responsible business of the year being an end. I, th- I think it's kind of a, 
marks a particular point on a journey. Um, and we started off with, as you know, love of redrop, and we set our aspirations for bigger outcomes and different engagement with customers and creating the 21st century role for a water company, really, what it should look like in the future. And there are so many areas where I don't think we know quite what that looks like now. So I, I suppose, for me, I don't think about it like that. I think I think we're, we're on a journey. Um, do I think we can make more use of technology? Uh, definitely. Do I think we can have closer and tighter collaborations with communities and our suppliers? Definitely. And do I think we can you know, introduce concepts of circularity more in terms of what we do as a business and with our customers? Definitely. So I suppose, I, as I'm thinking about it, we're just on a journey and all of these things have got a long way to go. So I think it's great to have the accolade, Responsible Business of the Year, but it is just a, a point in time for us. Mm. Just out of interest, Peter, what is your preferred way of telling everybody what you're up to? I mean, have you got a personal technique that you like to use? Uh, to, to communicate, to keep in touch, because you have thousands of employees. Um, I, I, pref- I love talking to people in, in small groups. That's, mm-hmm. you know, if, I, if I picked a preference, I'd much prefer to talk to a you know, smaller group of uh, employees so that you can have a genuine conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've got much better, actually, at doing using lots of different channels, whether they're phone casts, all kinds of different media. And we have an in-house newspaper and all that kind of thing. But also using technology, so... You know, we often quite often get together several hundred groups of employees and, and we'll do use technologies like Glissa. Yes. Where actually people can put up their questions and vote on them. So, yes, so I love Glissa. I use it brilliant. all the time at events and you can upvote a question. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, So it's, it's simple technology, but it makes a huge difference to the engagement uh, with, with employees because you know genuinely then you're answering questions which people care about. Yeah. Um, and it changes things, whereas in the past probably it was somebody who was brave enough to put their hand up may not have been something everybody mm. was interested in and, and it could get a bit deflected. So I, th- I think lots of different channels and recognising that not everybody likes, you know, likes the same channel. Or the one thing, so, yeah. So we have an in-house newspaper which everybody gets, which mm. is kind of very much about stories about people in the business. I don't edit it. I never see it actually until it appears on my uh, in my uh, letterbox. But it's because it's stories about people mm. and, and quite a lot of employees love that. Some people absolutely hate it, which is fine, you know, in which yeah. case go down to some others. So... Yeah. You know, re- recognising the broad range of employees we've got and, and their preferences is also important in the in whatever we do in terms of communicating. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Peter, a, a question for Hannah. Well, I, I was um, quite interested. Obviously, we're responsible business of the year. And if you were going to pick sort of one thing that you thought we could do in our year as responsible business, uh, what, what would it be? I, I think um, there's an awful lot we can do um, externally to share our learning with other organisations. But I think... I think we ought to use this as an opportunity to reflect internally, celebrate our success and celebrate it with with all our employees. Well, here's a question for you both then, and it's very much related to that. Uh, the clue is in the title, Anglian Water Group. Uh, you have over 6 million customers, I think 38,000 kilometres of pipes. Mm-hmm. Uh, more than that, in fact. More than that. Yeah. Um, by definition, then, it's a regional thing. And yet, with the prior, uh, with the award in mind, you have an opportunity to communicate massively more widely, maybe even to change the way the whole country and probably beyond thinks about water. Um, to what extent is that important to you? Or does that take you away from the important focused work you're doing? I think it's very important. Um, and certainly we laid out a manifesto of things that we wanted to do uh, if we were successful in becoming responsible uh, business of the year a part of that was actually about leadership 
Um, we've shown a lot of leadership, particularly around how you can manage water resources and build plans for the whole country, not just for the east of England. And we've done that because it's important to the east of England, but it's also important more widely. And there are whole aspects of, of water planning nationally, which unless we are involved in shaping it, you know, we won't get, we won't see the benefits in the, in the east. So it, it's not like we can do everything in isolation. So it's a fantastic opportunity. And, you know, the reason we sit on the Circular Economy Task Force and we chair the Water Task Force is because there are opportunities for us to take those leadership positions. And I think, um, you know, particularly at this time, um, with the impact of Brexit and thinking about what comes after the uh, common agricultural policy, um, there are opportunities for us to help other companies and government to shape what the future can look like. So how we might, for example, um, change the relationship between farming and the water environment and what role we've got to play, what role agriculture's got to play in that and how we can constructively engage in in creating a picture for the future. It does make me think on a personal level, um, you must need time to think. How How do you make that? Because every day, every minute of every day could be crammed with everything else. Well, I, 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 I think you have to be very, very conscious of it and you have to carve out time to do it. And, and it's one of the probably the biggest conversations I have with, with all of the directors on the management board is, have you made time to think? You know, have you carved out time to do that? Because you can fill your time completely with everybody else's agenda. Mm. But ultimately, you know, if people are asking you as a director of the company questions about the strategy and where we're trying to go and you haven't had time to think about mm. it, then actually you're not doing the thing that really fundamentally you're paid to do, which is to think about the longer term yeah. and to paint that vision and, and communicate it. And then very personally, how does, how does Peter Simpson think, find time to think? How, how, how does that actually happen? Because I bet there are a few people that want to fill every minute of your day. How, do, how does it happen I, in practice? I, I deliberately, I, mean, I carve out time to enable that to happen. Um, I mean, I think at different times as well. I mean, my, my brain operates best usually first thing in the morning. Mm. You know, that if, I'm, if I want to think laterally, I kind of recognise when my brain's really going. So this particular time of the day is not good for me. But uh, first thing in the morning... <laughs> it's going that, well. It's going well, that's good. But but first first thing in the morning is normally when I'm... Yeah, so if I've got some time and I've got particularly challenging things that I want to just kind of mull around and talk mm. to others about... I'll try and do it in that time if I can. Um, definitely not sitting at a desk. Mm. Um, I think it's fascinating. I think it's such such an important thing. Interesting. Hannah, Hannah how do you relate to that? Is that uh, I always wonder how it would go down if you say to your manager, I'm taking an hour on Tuesday to think. Or is that something oh, no, that happens I, outside? No, I, th- I think... Um I think we're very lucky that we work in an organisation where where you do have that flexibility. If you if you say actually I, I'm I'm going to work from home this afternoon, you know I just need some time, or um, you want you want to go out for a run at lunchtime. Um, I mean I I personally I, I I think best when I'm like you say not not at my desk. You know you have the right to challenge that and, yeah. and say this is how I work best. I need that yeah. time. Yeah, interesting. Um, um, Peter, one of the first images I saw of you, I have to say, you've seen it a million times, I'm sure. Um, I think you're with your chairman. You're in a high-visibility uh, vest. You're in the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, where I'm going with this is I think from a distance, um, Anglian Water can be seen as uh, you know, a low-tech, you know, a nuts-and-bolts company. Mm. And yet I suspect that digital is mm-hmm. more present than ever. Just give us a sense of how you see um, Anglian as a tech-influenced company, I suppose, is where I'm going. Well, I think we're heavily influenced by technology and, and going to be ever more so mm. moving forwards. I mean, we've got, um, by way of example, we've got the, the largest telemetry system of its type in Europe. Mm. 
And just remind um, us when we talk about telemetry, t- what's that? Telemetry is essentially a system which measures you know, whether pumps are starting or off or pressures or flows or chemical levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're measuring something like 600,000 points you know, at any moment in time, which is a huge amount of data. And that enables us to, to ensure we can run all of our operations without having to have lots of people actually based at all yeah. those individual sites. And we've got about 7,500 assets above ground, so pumping stations, water treatment works, yeah. water recycling centres. So, Hannah, these are not um, the sort of technologies that any of us were studying at university. These are emerging all the time. So, so how, how do you answer that question? And is it possible and how is it possible to keep up with these things? Because we want to keep learning, I suppose. I think that probably is one, one of the, the the biggest challenges. I think, I think you have to recognise that there's going to be, um, you know, we're going to need different skills and, and we're going to need specialists in to run some of these um, the, these sorts of um, new technologies but at the same time um, I think there's actually just really simple things that we can do mm. in the way that we work. And it's interesting because in, in an organisation like ours it's quite broad so you'd mm. find in some parts of the business you know that's how the work's done all the time yeah. you know so it's kind of you know it's got different paces for different things mm. in different parts. And of joining business. those up or not. How important for you, Peter, as a chief exec, is it to be across some of these emerging technologies or is that something for you know, another, another group? Or? No, I think it's really important. It's quite hard um, sometimes, but I think it's really important um, because if you're not, the, the company will be left behind. Mm. And in practical terms, how do you make sure you are? Well, I have a great team um, uh, who, who kind of bring the technology there, but also going out and looking what others are doing. Um, we're great copiers in Anglia. I mean, we, we, we love going out to other sectors, other industries, and picking up and learning. Hannah, I'm, if you were to take over from Peter tomorrow, that's putting you on the spot, isn't it? I think she's uh, doing a good job. I think she'd be absolutely <laughs> fine, actually. It's got my vote. Uh, what, ch- what changes would you make to Anglia? Oh, that's a really hard question. <laughs> that is a really hard question. Um, I think I think I suppose uh, I kind of like to come back to this. Um, it's a bit of a point that I, I made earlier about the way that we've got um, we've got such a diverse community in our organisation, and when when you spend time in um, in different parts of the organisation, it can almost feel like sometimes you're, it's, it's a completely different company, and that's mm-hmm. that's not a bad thing at all. But um, I think I would, um, and I don't I don't know what the answer is, but I think we need to do more. Um, to sort of bring in those those teams that are more remote, mm. just because um, you know we are moving to to um, different ways of working, new technologies, um, you know that can create it can create a lot of benefits, but it can also create more challenges as well. So, for example, sort of celebrating where we've got to, but also making sure that there aren't any parts of the business that get left behind. And I don't know what the answer is. Okay, well, I'm going to swing around to Peter in a second. But Peter, any any response to that thought from Hannah? I think it's a a really good point. And I was thinking, actually, one of the things we tried to do with with senior managers and now with more junior managers is, uh, in terms of their own leadership development, Mm -hmm. is to mix it all up. And that was part. I was very conscious um, to say, well, actually, you're not going to go on this leadership development program with a bunch of people who you've known in your part of the business. Actually, we're going to completely mix it up. And then we're going to create um, action learning groups for the long term, which actually sustain a network, which is a network that you probably would never have created otherwise. And that's been quite interesting because I think that has some real positives. And mm-hmm. to your challenge, it's sort of saying, how, how could we do something like that yeah. okay. throughout all the organisation, which is, yeah. yeah, definitely a good one to think about. You are the responsible business of the year. 
and it's fascinating to get an insight into what makes the business tick. So Hannah Stanley-Jones, Peter Simpson, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. That was The Lens, hosted by me, Holly Barrett. If you like what you heard, leave us a review and subscribe in iTunes and you'll get the latest episodes as soon as they drop. The Lens is a business and the community programme supported by Fujitsu. Today's show is produced and directed by Chris Cartwright with production management by Hannah O'Rourke. Music and editing by Adam Smythe. Our executive producer is Sergio Lopez. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.